Okay, hey fam. So, this is probably if you actually listen consistently. I'm not judging if you are or not. The much anticipated episode on meditation. I've been saying that I was going to do an episode on meditation for, I don't even know, probably a few months now, ever since I finished the book 10% Happier, or maybe even while I was reading it. Yeah, I actually think I said I was going to do a meditation episode while I was still trying to finish it. That's neither here nor there. This is the episode on meditation. So we're going to talk about a few things. This will probably be a sort of meditation mini-series. And this episode is going to be all about preconceived notions on meditation and what I've learned meditation is not from being an on-again, off-again meditator. All right. Let's get into it. I've been meditating on and off for about four years now. It's almost five. I started in 2017 when I was in for the sake of compensation and benefits and everything. I was in a good job, but it just wasn't the job for me. It wasn't the place for me, I should say. It was the job for me at the time, just not the right place. So I started meditation as a way to kind of calm my anxiety down and to just force myself to be more present in the moment. Because if you don't know, with anxiety, you tend to become overcome with thoughts of everything else but what's actually happening right now in front of you. So I figured I was stressed. I was overworked. I was completely unhappy. And I thought at the time that meditation would be the way to kind of bring back that inner joy by focusing on the present and not getting so caught up in my head and my overthinking as usual. So from my self-guided meditation studies, I've learned quite a bit. I'm going on a beginner's meditation retreat at a monastery next month, something I've wanted to do for a while now. I can't say that it's a silent meditation retreat because it's optional. I might try and be silent, but I do think it's a little hard. It's only a weekend, so it's two nights, two and a half-ish days. Get there in the afternoon of the first day, or that's what I'm supposed to do. I'll probably get there earlier and leave the afternoon of the third day. So one full day and two half days, so two days two nights. So that'll be next month and I'll obviously come back with more learnings from that, especially from actual teachers who do this full-time, I guess. Are you a full-time meditator? I guess you're a full-time monk. Yeah, you're a full-time monk. I don't know if that means that you meditate full-time. I don't know how many hours a day they actually meditate. Hey fam, this podcast was launched using Anchor. I actually heard about it on YouTube since it was recommended for podcast beginners. Here are the top features for me, the beginner. (laughs) It's free to use, meaning there are no hidden fees. They'll distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast for you. It's an all-in-one service so you can record, edit, and post from your desktop or phone in addition to having guests from your desktop or phone. Plus, you can earn money with absolutely no minimum listenership. That means you can get started earning money with one listener. If you were ever thinking of starting a podcast, now's the time. Don't believe me? Check out the free Anchor app 
or head to anchor.fm to get started. But let's get back (laughs) on topic here. I wanted to share some of the things that I've learned, discovered, and experienced in the time that I've been doing this by myself and for myself. Okay, so I know the first thing some people think when they hear meditation is hippie. And I will admit, I am borderline modern day hippie at times. I cannot lie. I do believe in a lot of spiritual aspects of life, a lot of metaphysical aspects of study. And of course, I if you know me personally, you know, I believe in God and Jesus Christ, but I also believe that there are many things and many realms and many religious studies that we just don't know about. And I am completely open to anyone else believing whatever it is that they believe. And I'm willing to take teachings from different religions, different philosophies, different ways of thinking, because that's how we continue to grow and learn and reinvent ourselves. Even though people may think hippie, I have actually read that a lot of corporate executives have now taken up meditation. And I don't know if they've taken it up because it's the trendy thing to do necessarily, or if they actually feel that it will help them or if it's just kind of a fancy buzzword to them to get people into a lot of high-tech companies where the hours are crazy and shit hits the fan from time to time. But I hope most people no longer think hippie. The biggest and most blaring learning that I wanted to share is what meditation is not. And the purpose of meditation is not to be hyper-focused on nothingness, but to become hyper aware of everything around you. This is really interesting because it it sounds <laughs> it sounds trippy to say that becoming hyper aware of everything around you and I I understand that to be more hippie-ish than thinking of nothing for hours at a time, but if you think about eating a great meal, right? So let's say you're at a family dinner or you're out with your significant other and you're having dinner and that dinner is so freaking good. You don't talk the whole dinner. You just sit there and you eat. Maybe you're also starving, so anything would taste good, but you taste every single flavor in each part of the dish. That's kind of what I now understand meditation to be. You're just feeling and understanding everything that's going on around you and you're you're not hyper-focused or fixated on any one thing. You're able to let yourself be free and liberated to experience all the things. And I think that it's a common misconception that people have that meditation is just zoning out and thinking of nothing. Your mind is just empty. And that's really interesting to me because when you think about hyper-focusing on every, or being hyper-aware rather of everything around you, that is the exact opposite of nothingness. So your mind is actually kind of flooded with information, but not thoughts. Now this is sounding really trippy and really crazy, but just, just bear me bear with me, hear me out, okay? When you stop trying so hard to think about nothing and just allow yourself to sit there and experience what's going on, and you can have your eyes open in meditation, you can have them closed. I personally prefer to close my eyes after a time, but it's just wild to me that I ever even spent so much time trying to clear my mind because I feel like I was thinking, I was overthinking it so much that it prevented me from seeing the real purpose of meditation and 
it's to be present. And when you first hear to be present, you think you have to focus on clearing your mind and thinking of absolutely nothing. And it's the exact opposite. So I wanted to share that first thing with you because I was definitely of the volition that meditation was you had to sit there in silence and clear your mind and think of absolutely nothing. And that could not be further from the truth. So if that's something that's been holding you back from meditation, I think you need to reframe the way that you think about meditation as I now have. And I didn't even, and I had been meditating for years before I came to this conclusion and this understanding. And I actually read it in the book, 10% Happier, when Dan Harris went on his 10-day silent retreat. This is what let me know that I think it's time for me to go on a silent retreat because I had been thinking about it for a while. And then to see the words in the book, hello, God, thank you. Thank you for uh, letting me know it's time for me to go on a retreat. But it was kind of like an aha moment when I read that. It was like, oh, shit. Have I been doing this wrong for years and nobody told me? Well, nobody would tell me. I mean, it was a self, a self-study, a self-project that I was doing. <laughs> but it was just mind-blowing to me that I had spent so much time meditating and in a sense felt like I had been doing it wrong the whole time because I was overthinking on how to meditate the right way. <laughs> Crazy. I... <laughs> Tell me, tell me about it. I know it's crazy. So how does this work? By meditating, quieting the thoughts allows you to tune into your surroundings. So it's not the absence of thinking or feeling or sensing. It's the quieting of the thoughts that we want to do and the subduing of the thoughts. Because I think even some more experienced meditators will tell you they still have thoughts that come up in meditation, but it's how you handle them and kind of push them to the side so that way you can continue to experience what's around you that, that I think really makes a difference. So if the goal is to be more present, how do we do that? The way we become more present is to be aware of our surroundings. And the way that we become more, more aware of our surroundings is to quiet the noise, the thoughts in our mind. And the way that we quiet the noise in our minds is by treating our thoughts almost as passing fancies and not grabbing on to any one or a few things that may pass our minds, but allowing them to come and go gracefully and without judgment. And without judgment, I mean, a lot of us tend to live in the past or worry about the future. And when it comes to the past, we tend to ruminate and feel guilt and shame with the things that we've done in the past and things we could have done differently and ways we could have acted differently and said numerous other things than what we actually said. And it's fine for those thoughts to come up and for feelings to come up, but to remind yourself, it's just a thought. It has already happened. So there's no use in continuing to be miserable over something that you cannot change. Now, to be fair, you may need to apologize. That's fine. Make a note of it and let the thought go. And I know that that's so much easier said than done, but I promise you, if you start meditating even just five minutes a day, it's kind of like a muscle and you'll start to work and build up tolerance to meditate longer and to push thoughts aside a little bit quicker, be a little bit gentler with yourself and 
I'm telling you, if I'm being completely honest, I notice a difference when I'm meditating consistently in my mood, in my disposition, in how quickly I am to anger or be upset or sad or whatever the case may be than when I'm not meditating consistently. And I know, I know, it sounds like a lot. I know, I know, it is, it's a hell of a lot if I'm being completely honest. It can be overwhelming. That's why you've kind of just got to take it day by day and piece by piece. And like I said, treat yourself kindly, gently with as little judgment as possible and be as neutral as possible to yourself and the situations that come up. (sighs) The second thing I've learned is that everything you're feeling and everything you're going through can somewhat be controlled by your breath. For example, if you have ever had a panic attack or seen somebody having a panic attack, one of the first things that people try and do is people experiencing the panic attack, or if they don't know what to do, somebody who's seeing somebody who has experienced doing this will attempt to help the person by grounding them. And what that is, is taking deep breaths and pointing out things around them or asking what they see, what they hear, what what is today's date or something that brings them back to the present instead of being so overwhelmed by thoughts and feelings. Oftentimes I don't hear what are you feeling because that can be even more overwhelming, (laughs) but the deep breaths and the pinpointing things in the room, if you're outside, outside, or just what's going on around them is kind of like a meditation in itself, a talking and open-eyed meditation, because what you're doing is you're bringing yourself back to the present moment to experience everything that's going on around you and more importantly you're focusing on breathing (laughs) now i don't think we as people will as humans will ever forget to breathe i don't think that that's quite possible it's pretty involuntary like blinking but the way that i understand myself to operate is if i get really really angry i'm not breathing as deeply or as intently as i am when i'm calm or when i'm meditating or even when I'm happy, when I'm laughing. Sometimes you'll laugh so hard you'll feel like you almost run out of breath and you need to take a minute to breathe and kind of get yourself back on track. So everything, and I credit this to the book Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty, comes back to breath. And I credit it to this book, which I'm currently reading right now, because this man, if you don't know who Jay Shetty is, really quickly, was living what we common non-monk folk consider a normal life, was in college. I think he was studying business. I don't really remember. Don't quote me on that. But in London, heard this monk come to his school to give a talk with his friend who urged him to go. He wasn't going to go. He ended up loving it, delved in headfirst, finished college, and went to live at the monastery with the monks and became a monk. Stayed there for three years and ended up coming back into civilian non-monk life. (laughs) I don't know what monks call non-monks if there is a name for us, but came back to live our non-monk lifestyle and share his teachings from living that lifestyle and in the monastery for three years with the world. But the first thing he learned when he got there was not in a class and it wasn't from a full-fledged monk. It was actually from 
a child. And it was an older child, according to the book, teaching younger children, let's say pre-K-ish age. And the older child had asked him what the first thing he learned in school was. So him being an English speaker, I assume English is his native tongue, he said the ABCs. Simple. That's what most of us learn first, right? Our ABCDEFG. And the child was intrigued. So Jay then asks the child what the first thing he learned I believe it was he. What he learned was, or what he was teaching the younger children, and he said, breathe. And as if I was Jay Shetty in that moment, I said, breathing. Because the next line was something like breathing. That's... (laughs) that's intense. Why are you teaching them breathing? And the child responds that essentially everything comes back to the breath. So you can regulate your feelings to an extent or how reactionary or respondent you are to an event by taking deep breaths and really focusing on regulating how you breathe. So me being me, I thought about this and I was like, wow, that's crazy. I never thought of it that way, but it's so true because anytime I feel myself getting really anxious, I have to. Now, I'm not good at grounding myself in that way of focusing on what's in the room and what's happening and this, that, and the third. I am good at grounding myself by taking deep, heavy breaths and just kind of closing my eyes for a minute or two. When I tell you I never really thought of it that way, the way that it was explained by this child in the book, I wish I could think of a better word than mind blown. I was awe-stricken. I was shocked. I was blown away. I was just so, so tickled by the fact that I had kind of been doing this but not really understanding that there are little monk children somewhere that are learning this at four years old, three, four, five years old. (laughs) I almost feel behind the curve, but then I also know that there's a reason that he wrote that in this book, and that's because most of us don't think like that. We don't know that, and that's why this is the second thing I wanted to share with you. In hindsight, maybe this should have been the first breathing and then preconceived notions on meditation and what it's not. In any event... (laughs) you now know that breathing is not only essential to meditation and practices like yoga, even just traditional American or traditional strength training or exercising like running and things, but it's essential to just everyday living. You could live a sedentary lifestyle and breathing can still be and should still be an essential part of how you operate in your day to day. Cool. We got it? Cool. Cool, cool. The third and final thing I wanted to address with meditation is that while I would suggest heavily that you try using an app or going online or maybe even YouTube. I haven't YouTubed guided meditations, but I'm sure they're there. You don't have to pay for anything at first, especially if you're not really sure that it's for you. But I think that everyone should give it a try. And the reason why is because after a meditation, and this is even from the very beginning when I first started meditating, I always feel like I come out of it with a clearer mind that I than I went into it. So this is not to say that I don't sometimes immediately kind of go back to overthinking or worrying about certain things, but there's a sense of calm that comes after the meditation. And that sense of calm brings clarity to whether it be situations, to actual problems, or what is the word I'm looking for? Like figurative figurative problems, math problems, you know, non-tangible <laughs> problems. And I could not, I could not tell you 
a time when such clarity comes to me more than right after a meditation session or maybe right after I wake up especially if it was a great sleep. I think you know what I mean. When you just have such a, I don't want to say spotless mind, but when you have such a content, such a contentment to your life and what you're doing and you're not stressed, you're not worried, you're just kind of here. <laughs> and that contentment breeds the ability to be a little bit more logical. It gives you the ability to see things with a different lens. And I think that lens is one that gives you more perspective into if you're dealing with a situation with other people or another person, those other perspectives besides your own. And it also gives you a little bit more grace on yourself. And you feel a little bit accomplished because even though it may not be one of those things on your to-do list that you're accomplishing, it's the, in my mind, truest and cheapest form of self-care there is. There's nothing quite like being able to sit down with or without your thoughts, depending on how easily it is for you to quiet them. But I think that the accessibility to meditation is far easier and much simpler than these apps and sometimes meditation guides make it seem. And I think that because you can start out on your own and whether you listen to guided meditations or prefer to do it on your own in silence is up to you. But I think the accessibility to meditation is easier than, it's, than it may seem because there are gatekeepers to meditation and living more holistic lifestyles. And I can't stand that. I really, I really can't. It really bothers me. But I think knowing that meditation is not just you trying to focus on nothingness, but more so you being present by quieting all the thoughts to near nothingness is important to know that your breath plays a bigger part in your life overall is important and knowing that you can access a meditative state is that is that what I'm trying to say here that you can be in a meditative state and find guided meditations or pick up a book on meditation and start the journey yourself you don't have to spend I don't even know how much the Headspace app which I really like is for an annual subscription or the 10% happier app or I think I think the black owned meditation app is shine you don't have to come off the top and pay for those if you don't want to or if you don't even know if you're going to stick to meditation let's be real but it is easier to get into than people make it seem. So I think if you know those three things that took me a long time to learn, because now I do feel like I can meditate on my own without an app or without it being guided necessarily. And I kind of wish that I had gotten into it that way first, rather than kind of jumping in head first and getting an and a subscription to an app stuttering today but I think had I done that first maybe I would have given myself a little bit more grace read a book first instead I don't know but I would like to encourage you through this episode to get into meditation and hopefully you have a leg up knowing those three things that I did not know <laughs> especially in the beginning because I definitely thought I needed some meditation master some teacher to teach me a lot of the things that I could have spent some time learning on my own or where I could have just spent some time by myself at first to begin with. So with that, this episode 
is wrapped up. Hopefully it's not as long or as rambly as I kind of feel like it might have been, but most importantly, I hope that it has helped you or cleared some things up about meditation for you. And I look forward to talking to you next week. I wish we could talk back, but um, follow me on Instagram for that. If you really enjoyed this episode, if you have anything you want to say, let me know or hit me up on the blog. I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of places, not all the time, but I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. So reach out to me if there's anything you would like to hear about that I haven't spoken about yet, or even that I have spoken about if you'd like me to expand on it. I am so grateful to you that listen to me, that care to hear what I think is a quite high-pitched voice. I appreciate you, and I hope that you have a wonderful holiday, because I won't speak to you again until after, I think after the holiday, the Christmas holiday if you celebrate it. So Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays, and I'll catch you beautiful people next week. Peace.